0: tuning you in now the all-new lbx daily show brought to you
1: by the lbx collective
0: your community to connect engage and inspire
1: now let's get ready to roll
0: with your hosts christine beer and brandon Blair. all right
1: hey everyone <laughs> hey brandon we're a bit early today hey
0: we we are a bit early. Yeah, people are, you know, going to be like, oh man, 30 minutes early.
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry for all you that were waiting for us live. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Oh, yes, yes.
1: <laughs> all righty.
0: All right. Well, I guess we'll, we'll, let's just jump into it. First of all, it's National Vodka Day. So, you know, I figure oh. like and and somebody gave me I've had it in my drawer for a long time because I don't really drink vodka, but somebody gave me some like Beluga vodka, which apparently is really good. Mm. Um, I can't remember where I got it, but anyway, so cheers to National Vodka Day. Um, um, got a little sure you- here.
1: Yeah, I've got, I've actually got vodka in my Popeye's cup. So, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's okay. It's good. Fine. Whatever. It's, it's a vodka. Uh, all right. Well, we have, uh, so in the rundown we actually have Meow Wolf, which we've talked about a number of times and um, we talked about Convergence Station. You had a chance to go do that with the IAPA meetup and they have uh, a new thing called the Cosmic Howl at Meow Wolf. And this is happening at all of their locations. So there's actually a Cosmic Howl event that goes on at Omega Mart at Area 15 in Vegas. But then they have smaller Cosmic Howl events and mixed things uh, over over the course of like all the different locations. There are one in Santa Fe, there are one in Las Vegas, obviously, Denver, and then now Great Vine, Texas. And like each one of these is going to be, they're all a little bit different. So they're going to exhibit transformations, live music costume making workshops uh, obviously candy and um, and there's spe- there's special ticketed events then also just things that happen um, you know randomly so like there'll be just spontaneous things that might happen and pop up too so you could be there and not even be planning to be a part of some sort of pop-up experience and all of a sudden it'll just happen so pretty cool thing they're running from October 13th to the 31st and uh, you know I guess this is just a general reminder for for anyone running you know a venue like this is a great opportunity to even if it's just one day or one evening, throughout the Halloween season, to have some kind of special event, whatever you want it to be, but some something that's tied to the Halloween, you know, that sort of like that Halloween season, and uh, it's a great way to drive repeat visitation. And so, you know, Meow Wolf is is doing theirs over a course of a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I I have high expectations for this event, like if I went to this event, I would expect some custom candy. Honestly, like I want yes. some, I'm going cause I want some sort of cool meow wolf candy to come home. And even if it's a box with some sort of branding on it or like, I don't know, something cool, but yeah, that, yeah. that yeah. would be awesome.
0: I would not be surprised if they have something like that going on. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure.
1: I hope so. I hope so. Because all of their merch is so freaking cool. So <laughs> it'd be cool to get. It. Oh,
0: yeah. so, it's so yeah. good. Yeah.
1: Um uh yeah, so you know what, we talk a lot about location-based entertainment centers. Um, but something that we don't talk about is location-based entertainment towns. <laughs> um, I came across the coolest place ever. It's called Leavensworth, and it's in uh Washington State in the US. And it's known for its unique barbarian style architecture and its stunning natural surroundings. Now I'm gonna pull up some pictures here so we can take a peek. Um, but Leavensworth is situated in the Cascade Mountain. Mountains of Washington State approximately 120 miles uh, east of Seattle now the town adopted this barbarian theme back in the 1960s to actually boost tourism so it didn't just happen it, they actually strategized to you know draw tourism and create the town this way so as a result um, it looks like this quaint cute little German village with barbarian style buildings and decorations and what's so cool is there's so many activities to do around here so this is all the cute stuff about the town but um, Close to the town, um, right around it is all this spectacular, um, wonderful outdoor stuff for any art- outdoor enthusiast. So you can enjoy things like hiking and mountain biking, skiing, whitewater rafting, all that stuff all around the town. Isn't that incredible? Okay, my pictures don't seriously do it justice, but I feel like I'm in Alberta right now. Like it's, it's very similar. It's probably the same mountain range there, right?
0: Yeah, um, it's amazing.
1: And what they also do though is they create tons of really cool festivals in town. So right now going on, they have the Oktoberfest celebration. So here it is. They've got this whole big ad, "Holy Schnitzel." Um, and they create all these beer gardens. People are all dressed up in their oh my gosh, is it Lederhosen? Am I getting that right? And they're Yeah, right,
0: yeah, Lederhosen, yeah.
1: Okay. Alrighty. So they're all dressed up in their outfits. They head into the town and it's busy. Like when you look through some of the pictures of it, it is packed with people. So it's a really big tourist attraction. Um, But they have German beer, food and music all through Oktoberfest. And then what they do is um, after the end of October, they turn it into a Christmassy town. So, they light it all up with the Christmas lights. Um, they have like visits with Santa. You can go and write a letter and mail it to Santa there. Um, it, it's just, I mean, it looks so, 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 so cute. Even just take away the Christmas theme, you know, in the mountains, in the winter. It looks amazing. Um, they're also known for their Nutcracker Museum. So they have, I mean, it's a a massive cultural attraction. They have thousands and thousands of nutcrackers, which is a very German thing, right? And I don't know about you, but we have a tradition in my house where we have to pull out all the nutcrackers and I get a new one every year. So there is like, we have so many of them at this. We have to kind of be selective now. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I mean, beyond this, it looks like the coolest place. Um, Tons of little great, cool restaurants. You can get your pretzels with your mustard there. Um, Lots of attractions, waterfalls. Uh, places to hike and camp—all uh, really cool all year round destination.
0: Yeah, this is, this place looks absolutely amazing, um, and and I just love that they got the whole town behind it, and and especially when it comes to l- the lighting, unless um, I mean unless they're all owned by the city, you have to get all the different you know, businesses and tenants to get involved and be willing to be a part of this. And so it's just a pretty cool, cultural, cultural place. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And I was looking it's only about two and a half hours out of Seattle too. So it's, it's pretty easy. I mean, you can't just fly there, right? But it's pretty easy access to, to go and check that place out. So um, definitely going to have to do that soon uh, for sure. It's awesome. I,
1: for sure. Right. so. I would agree. I would agree.
0: Um, well, so something I'm probably not going to go do soon is um, is go to uh, Lane 7. Uh, Lane 7 has a new opening. They're a bowling venue in the UK and they have one location already open and they're just opening their second location in Birmingham. Um, which is a town sort of like Northwest part of uh, part of part of the UK. It's a three store venue and it's going to have free gaming hall. So free video games, 14 lane bowling alley. Uh, The aesthetics in there are pretty cool. It's kind of like graffiti on the walls and like sort of like urban feel. And uh, they've got pool tables, 35 arcade games, and they have shuffleboard. So they have floor based shuffleboard. So another shuffleboard. So we've just talked about shuffleboard a couple of times already, and um, kind of crazy to, uh, kind of crazy to have uh, shuffleboard showing up now. And like, I wonder, I wonder, is shuffleboard the new axe throwing, the new pickleball? Because like, fuck me, we just saw another pickleball venue opening. It's called Crush Yard, and this is in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. And like, I'm like again. Why are some of these concepts that I feel like are not really truly fully tested yet? Like they've only been in the market for less than a year, maybe a year max. And yet so many venues are opening up. Like what is what is going on here?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's bizarre. And and it makes me wonder, like, who's going to survive all this?
0: <laughs> yes, right. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
1: And so it, it was really interesting, actually, because, I mean, we talk about this all the time and I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're getting flooded with pickleball. Like, how are the the good ones going to kind of get ahead and how are they going to recognize where they're doing well and where they weren't? And um, in that process, I came across this really cool theory. It's called survivor bias. Are you familiar with this at all? I mean, I, I
0: well, yes. I guess you are. Yes. I guess you are. Yes. Because we talked about it. <laughs> because we talked about it. But yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, so, so, anyway, survivor bias is cool, actually. So, um, let me just read a little bit about it so I don't uh, butcher it. But and I do it justice here. But um, it's survivor bias is a cognitive uh, cognitive bias that occurs when we focus only on the success of things and we miss um, how things survived. So, for example, while we while ignoring or downplaying the failures of those that didn't survive, So in other words, it's a tendency to draw conclusions from a limited set of data that only includes the survivors, which can lead to a skewed perspective or inaccurate decision making. And I think actually for our industry, this is something really to point out. We are starting to collect data, but we're not really actually filtering through it very well and using the data effectively yet. Um, But anyway, a little bit more on survivorship bias, Um, it was, it actually came out during World War II, Uh, the US wanted to actually reinforce armor on specific areas of the planes. And So what analysts would do is they would look at the bombers that were returning from uh, war zones and they they plotted out where all the bullet holes were in the planes and they said, okay, what we need to do is, perfect, thank you, we need to add um, armor to the tails, bodies, wings, every place where you see the red dots here. So that helps with their odds of survival. Um, but during this process, a young young dude, uh, this Abraham guy, said, hey, you know what? That would be a big mistake because only plotting data on the planes that returned, you're missing the data on the ones that didn't return that were damaged and unable to return. And this actually makes a lot of sense. So obviously, the theme planes um, that sustained the damage survived, and the ones that they didn't see didn't survive. So it was going to be more important to go back and actually kind of put armor on the spots where... Uh, the planes were hit that didn't survive. So what they concluded um, was that they needed to reinforce the engine and other vulnerable parts, um, which significantly improved the safety of the crews during combat. Anyway, they identified this cognitive bias as survivorship bias.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Uh,
1: I think it's yeah. just—I think it's super fascinating,
0: right? Yeah. And, and this is exactly, I think the situation we're running into, it's, it's maybe the precursor to survivorship bias actually, which is we're seeing all these, these venues, these, these social entertainment venues, especially things like pickleball, right? Like where I, again, I've talked about like who wants to go play pickleball, um, who, who wants to go play pickleball and then also eat a hamburger, right? Like those two things just don't seem to align to me, but whatever, maybe they do. Or who, who wants to go have chicken strips and play pickleball? Like, I'm not sure I do, but maybe there's a, there's a subset of people who do, But the, but the issue is where I think this precursor where all we're seeing is all the press about all these pickleball venues that are opening up and we're not seeing the ones that are closing down three months later or six months later because they had the wrong mix. And so all we're seeing is it's like basically that survivorship bias. We're seeing all these things or like the precursor to that and, and not making the changes fast enough or deciding not to do a specific type of venue because of the failures that we're not actually recording, you know, Mm -hmm. externally anywhere.
1: And I would argue it's not even just pickleball, it's all things. So in all entertainment centers, I know when I built my first entertainment center, Shakers, like I was copying a model that was already outdated when I did it. Now now that I know more about the industry, mm-hmm. but only because I was copying a good model. But I didn't recognize the reasons why that model was surviving in that certain situation and why they were doing so well. And I didn't take all the things that I didn't know into account, you know, to apply it to my model. And, you know, if I only knew what I know now, what I knew or how, what does that saying go? If I if only knew now what I only knew then what I know now, if I only knew now, then what I know now, I would have been so much better off. But it really takes you know time to scale back and look at the data that you don't know and really understand, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so, you know, we, we think that, okay, if I drop in go-karts and I drop in laser tag and I drop in bowling and I drop in some arcades, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, this is the perfect mix, but maybe it isn't in my particular area, right? Because I've not done the right demographic studies or I haven't done, or maybe I just, I feel like I need soft play because there's not enough soft play for my five-year-old kid. So I go and I build a soft play venue and I find out, oh, I'm one of like, I have one of like 10, you know, soft play kids, right. Uh, You know, or or, uh, 10, five or one of 10, five year olds in the area that could actually play in the soft play area. So anyway, um, yeah, I I think the the survivorship bias for sure is a, is an issue. And um, well, I I guess, so something that uh, I don't think they're going to have to worry about. There's a new group called Ninja, Ninja kids action park. And these guys, I do not think are going to have to worry about survivorship bias because they are from the YouTube group called Ninja Kids. So the actual website is YouTube.com slash at Ninja kids with a Z at the end of it. And, um, and basically, I had I didn't know these guys existed. And I think it's because my kids are maybe a little bit aged out of uh, the group that would be watching these YouTube channels now. Like a couple of years ago, they maybe would have. Um, but this, these kids, uh, apparently, alongside their parents, have 20 million subscribers on their YouTube channel some of their individual videos have had over 400 million views. I didn't find one that had less than like, unless it was like produced yesterday, less than like a hundred thousand views on at least any one of their videos. So they're hugely followed and they're all about just promoting being awesome, anti-bullying, self-value, self-worth, and also just fitness and athleticism and everything else. And um, and self defense and that kind of thing. So these kids are, you know, trained in ninjutsu and they're all gymnasts, and they're doing different flips and things. And they also help—they um, help to protect others. And like, there's this whole kind of scripted things that they do. I watched like clips of a couple of different videos to get a sense for it. But what they decided to do um, just fairly recently is they went and opened up a location in Dallas called Ninja Kids Action Park. And um, I'll show—I'll show, share some uh, my screen here. But um, you know, this Ninja Kids Action Park basically is uh, it's, you know, it's your classic trampoline park, right? Um, Ninja course and, you know, your foam pits and your little battle, right? Your, your, you know, uh, balance beam battle thing. Uh, They've got, they've got some of the slides we were looking at before. It's like city slides they've got. Um, And so, you you know, pretty classic, but what they've done really well here is they've branded this thing right alongside their Ninja kids brand. So they've got their big, their Ninja kids logo with the little black Ninja guy, They've branded even their big airbags and the walls and the colors like just match perfectly. This is one of the most well executed, uh, like I would say, adventure parks that I've seen in a long time. And uh, this is their latest location. They just opened up in Chicago.
1: I mean, and not only well executed design, color palette, everything, their marketing strategy was. It was so brilliant. So start off influencing, like, first of all, driving something really positive out into the community, build themselves up as influencer and then create a product. And that's how it needs to be done. You know, build your following and then they will come. And now all that you're going to need to do is continue to maintain their service and their deliverables to their customers. And they're just going to continue to kill it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So right here, I'm pulling up on, on the main screen. These are the four kids. Um, they're all, I can't remember their names right now, all obviously different ages, but from the same family. And you've got the little ninja kids thing in the background. Really great photo here. But um, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the group. And um, you can see, like, just look at this, like their launch, like clearly one of their launch events. You know, they've got a DJ and like they've got, they're all dressed up and like this packed, right? Because everybody wants to see the ninja kids and get the signatures and everything else. So brilliant marketing strategy. And just w- well executed venue as well, um, very well executed venue.
1: Yeah, I love everything about it. I love their attraction mix inside of this entertainment center. I love their colors. And okay, I just had a thought though. What happens that these kids start to age out, <laughs> right? Because they're all going to grow up. Who, who who's the next Ninja Kids? <laughs>
0: yeah well you know what i wouldn't be surprised if they're already thinking about that and they're grooming so i also went in the videos and they've got like this other set of kids too that are like the justice league kids the justice kids and then the ninja kids and they sometimes team up and they're all on the same channel now and like i wouldn't be surprised if like they're sort of like power rangers right power rangers have been around for like 30 years but every you know every couple of seasons they bring in new power rangers i'm sure like they're smart enough people to bring in maybe their families aged out but they'll now leverage the brand and bring in a younger generation at least that's what i would be thinking about doing uh and these guys seem to be you know thinking about things in the right way i wouldn't be surprised if that's what they're doing here um but uh pretty pretty cool uh you know concept and look i'm not a big massive fan of of the you know trampoline adventure park model i think it's that's one of those that's pretty saturated actually um partially because of you know urban areas and sky zones and circus tricks and everything else but um because of their brand, because of everything else, there's definitely a market for this and they'll kill it no matter what because they've got that influencer marketing in place.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, right awesome. on. Good, good find. I really like that. I'd really love to get in touch with them and uh, potentially interview them on one of our uh, upcoming pods.
0: That would be pretty cool to do. Uh, one of the behind our doors with uh, mm-hmm. with them. That would be that'd be pretty cool. We should yeah. think, we yeah. think about um, getting them on board. Um, and we should yeah. send them this this video specifically. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Totally, All right. right on. Cool. Hey, hey, and and before we close, though, just quickly, um, I just wanted to mention that tomorrow we're launching one of our first new pods, Sound Off with Kevin Williams. Right? Uh, yes. I'm excited for this.
0: Yeah. Very, very excited. And so you've been really involved the last two episodes. I can't wait to be in, on the next one and be in, a part of it, but um, very excited yeah. to, to see the next couple of episodes. The first couple come out.
1: That's right. We're going to drop them real fast guys. Um, but I, I'm telling you, they're so cool just to get the insider inside knowledge from Kevin Williams, who's the, the guy behind the stinger report um, talking about trends in the industry. He's got some really awesome perspectives. So just, you know, uh, totally take them in, watch them. And we're going to be releasing some of those um, every other week going forward.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Uh, Well, right on. So that is the end of today's LBX Daily. Uh, Cheers to all of our LBXers. This is CB and BW signing off. Stay tuned and keep kicking ass.
1: See you later, guys.